Welcome to the Housing Matters Podcast, brought to you by the California Association of Realtors and the Center for California Real Estate. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Housing Matters Podcast. This is the 14th episode. My name is Oscar. I'm here along with Jordan. Hello, everyone. And, uh, of course, it's time for the Housing Matters Podcast. Every two weeks, we have an episode. And this week, again, we want to talk about economics, about housing matters, housing market. Now we released just recently a uh, uh, September our September number, right? That's right. Yeah, and uh, it looks a little bit more positive than uh, previous months. At face value, it right. looks more encouraging. Definitely, we had I think the first growth that we've seen in six months or so, uh, where you know the number of closed transactions actually improved uh, modestly over you know the same point last year. So. True. Um, you know, any good news is very welcome at this particular point in time, but not necessarily something to get um, overly enthusiastic about. Very maybe. true. Very true. I said encouraging. Uh, of course, uh, it's relatively speaking compared to previous months, even though it's relatively more positive. Still, we are not exactly right. Right, a lot of headwinds. We don't know exactly what's going to uh, be uh, like in a uh, fourth quarter. Still, a lot of headwinds. Um, and of course, we don't still don't know what's going to happen with interest rate. Even though um, 50, it's more like a 50-50. If you ask Leslie, it will probably be like 60% or 70%. Um, not going to punt right until yeah. next year. Um, and of course, we don't have the third quarter number yet. That's right. We'll get that on Friday, and I think that will give us some good guidance in terms of um, what happens on overall GDP growth in our economy. Um, you know, everybody's projecting kind of sub 2% growth, which, you know, will pretty much be more of the same in terms of what we've been seeing so far this year. Um, but it might give them some cover to, to raise rates. But either way, I think the, the rate outlook is very modest. They might start going up, but, you know, we're going to be looking at low rates at least for the next year or so. Very true. Um, so we'll see. And, of course, we will let you guys know uh, maybe the next podcast on the economic outlook. But there are other releases that came out recently in the last couple of weeks on first-time buyers. Or That's first-time right. buyer share. Seems like everybody was doing something on first-time buyers, so right. we had to jump in on this. Maybe the fourth quarter is the first-time buyer quarter. I'm not sure exactly what going on, what's going on. But the first report that I remember being released was a re- uh, report by Zillow. Mm-hmm. And they released a somewhat... Um, Encouraging again and enthusiastic, um, you know, for first-time buyer share. They reported based on their results, uh, a survey done on their website. I assume it's you know from people who will visit their website right. that they said the uh, first-time buyer is close to fifty percent. Wow. In fact, I think it was uh, somewhere around fifty-two percent. Don't quote me on that, but I think it's very close to half uh-huh. of the buyers being first-time buyers. Uh, well, that seems to me a bit high. Oh, me too. Yeah, half of all buyers being first-time buyers. That would be, I guess, great news for the housing market. Right. And then, of course, when I look at NAR numbers, NAR numbers release, they have two sets of numbers that they release okay. on a regular basis. NAR release a set of number based on their um, confidence index gotcha. on a monthly basis. Based on that number, the number, I believe it is 34%. Oh, wow. So that's a pretty big gap. That Definitely. And 
but that number is consistent with their annual market survey. Their oh, they do market, an annual survey as well. True. Yeah, the annual market survey suggests that's based on I think last year's last year was thirty two percent. So that's okay. consistent. They're so pretty much right in the same neighborhood. Thirty two, thirty four is pretty much for all now, intents and purposes the same. And, and I've seen some NAR's numbers before, so that number looks a little bit more reasonable to me. Than the 50%. Yeah, I mean, I guess without being able to see under the hood of Zillow's numbers and what it includes and all that stuff, it's it's hard to say. But yeah, I think the you know somewhere in the third of all buyers is kind of just what my prior would be if you just asked me when we were walking down the street and I didn't have any data in front of me. So, uh -huh. you know, that's kind of where I, where I would end up. Right, and... We know the methodology differs, but you know before we go into a little bit more about the methodology, there was a third report that came out. Oh wow! From Realtor.com. Gotcha. And Realtor.com gave us something right in the middle, sort of. They refer for this year their first time buyer is thirty three percent. Okay. And then to predict that next year, the uh, first time buyer is going to be somewhere around fifty percent. Wow. Well, that's a big jump, and it's the. I think they probably please the NAR people, but at the same time please the uh, Zillow people as well. Gotcha. Yeah, they're kind of walking that fine line of, of being right in the middle. And I think Zillow's and, and Realtor.com, they did the survey online and they actually got a lot of numbers from maybe uh, younger people. Gotcha. And I'm, I'm, I'm just speculating. I'm not 100% sure. You sure. Now for, for NAR, I know that their surveys, their annual survey is based on surveys sent to the annual survey is sent to consumers, so home buyers and sellers. Gotcha. But that survey actually missed the um, investors' share. Ah, ah, gotcha. But for their uh, confidence index, the monthly numbers, that's based on response from realtors. Gotcha. So it would cover the investors. All transactions, share. yeah. Now, what about our number? Our number, we do our annual housing market survey as well. Right, and I think ours was somewhere in the 29% range, which again, I think is kind of consistent with what you see in the national number. We would expect California mm -hmm, to mm -hmm. be lower than the rest of the nation just because, you know, we're, we're a little bit more price, expensive. Right? Yeah, it's not as easy to, to be a homeowner in California. So I think that that kind of seems to line up well with the one third of all buyers this year nationwide. Um, so, you know, again, it's it seems like there are, you know, that contingent of first-time buyers. We know that economic conditions are out there, you know, producing more jobs, incomes have finally started to rise, and rates are still cheap. So we know people want to buy, and it looks like there are those first-time buyers moving in. I guess the question is just really, are they really out in full force like that 50% number would suggest? And here in California, it, it doesn't really seem like that's the case. Yeah, and... and 30% is about right for me because I've seen some numbers before. Right. I mean, it's still below the long-run average of 38%. And you're absolutely right. We're higher in price compared to the nation. And we're definitely not making twice as much money. I wish I, we are, but <laughs> we're not making as much mo twice as much money as at the national level. So I don't see how we can actually you know, make a big jump in the next coming year. But we will talk more about that later. Uh, let me just give you some numbers sure. uh, based on the annual housing market survey. The age is about 35 for first-time buyers. Okay. So I think that's pretty much consistent. Consistent with Zillow. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and of course, if you think about it, that's about right because you know after college, you know, you graduated, you get married, you know, get your first job, or maybe transition into your second job, you build up some down payment. Um, and of course, 
you do need a bit of down payment in order to pay for a house in California. Yeah, that's for sure. And well, let's not talk about twenty percent. But if someone needs to pay twenty percent for a five hundred thousand home, it will be a hundred thousand. Yeah. But for first time buyers, some take advantage of some of the programs based on the um, down payment that they put down in twenty fifteen. They put down in, in uh, twenty sixteen. They put down about twenty five thousand. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, twenty five thousand is not a small amount. Sure, but it's definitely not ten percent or twenty percent of of that uh, median home price. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Remind let me remind you that the uh, median home price right now for existing single family home is above five hundred thousand. Right. So you definitely need more than twenty five, and. Taking advantage of the monthly mortgage rate, which is below four yep. percent, you still need a monthly payment of close to thirteen hundred in twenty sixteen. Wow, not a small amount. Yeah, not a small amount. If if that monthly payment represents one third of your income, think about it. We need about four thousand. So um, after tax, you need about fifty thousand. Right, that's not a small amount at all. Yeah, no, that's a decent chunk of change. And and now. After listening to all these numbers, um, tell me, what do you think the outlook for, uh, what do you think the, uh, based on these numbers, the first time buyers outlook is uh, is like, just based on this year? I know we have talked about other things. Sure. Uh, there are other factors that could actually affect first time buyers here. So what's your take on it? Yeah, I mean, I don't expect to see, like you said, a huge jump in, in first time buyers. I think, you know, on the one hand, we have an economy that continues to get better, albeit at a very gradual pace, um, but still hard to qualify for a mortgage. And like you said, you still need that big down payment. Um, and so, although I think you know, the the first time home buyers are still going to be active in the marketplace. Um, you know, I don't expect to see that share jump much above thirty um, for the next twelve months, at least, and maybe even beyond. Um, just because, again, you're butting up against difficult credit markets, a lack of inventory, and affordability that keeps getting worse. I guess I probably shouldn't ask you the outlook right away, but based on some of the research that you have done, I know, do you think millennials or younger people are still encouraged or still want to become a homeowner? Oh, yeah. No, there's no doubt that people want to own homes. I don't think that a desire or lack of desire is underlying any of these numbers. Uh Um, You know, we did our um, generational survey where we looked at people in different contingents and different age groups across California. Um, and young people in particular still very much on board with you know, the American dream, the idea of the American dream and wanting to achieve that. Um, in most cases, that still involves owning a home, right? 20% true, at least um, said that having, you know, achieving the American dream means owning your own home. And, and so I think that that's you know, still something that folks very much want. Um, but I think there's a financial difficulties in making that happen, um, and B, I think there's just a lack of knowledge out there that you know some folks potentially could get into the market, um, even though they don't think they can. And and what I'm talking about specifically uh-huh. is is on um, you know low down payment loans. I think that there's a decent amount of young folks, millennials in particular, who who don't know. Um, like you FHA know, loan, you that mean? you have like low down payment options, FHA and other places uh-huh. as well. Um, in fact, we surveyed folks, and I think that uh, two thirds of millennials that we surveyed basically said that they would love to get into a, a home, and they would do so if they could get in with you know a little bit less down payment. Um, and then we asked those same exact folks, 
you know, well, did you know about FHA loans? And less than 20% said that they knew about these low down payment um, financing options that they have available like the FHA. Um, and the FHA, again, isn't the only game in town. I think Bank of America is doing mm-hmm. a 3% down no mortgage insurance really? loan. And so that's one I think, you know, Wells Fargo for however long they're going to uh, be around here in California <laughs> will have have a 3% down loan as well. And so I think part of it is just folks don't know that they can get into the market. They're, you know, looking at, at these kind of, you know, as you mentioned, $500,000 give or take median price means, you know, 20% down payment is over $100,000. That's a big daunting number um, to have to save for, particularly when you're staring down the barrel of, you know, $2,500 a month rent payments, right? You're not able to kind of sock away as much. And so I think that education, and this may be where our members come in is, is really kind of you know educating potential buyers and some of these young folks that they know out there, um, you know that you don't have to save that full you know hundred thousand or two hundred and fifty thousand in San Francisco for that median price home. Um, you can actually get in with a significant amount less than that as long as you kind of have the income to support that payment. That's true. I mean, I think I mean there is a big difference you mentioned uh, in terms of the actual number, but also in terms of you know if you pay five percent or three and a half percent versus twenty percent down payment, that's a very big difference. Forget about the monthly payment for now, just that down payment, people get scared by you know, uh, having to save that much money to get started. And of course, their, their folks, their parents have to probably help out. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you're lucky enough to have parents that can kind of help you out, then you know, you're gonna be looking to exhaust all those options, I guess. And it depends also on uh, where they're living. I know you mentioned about, you know, living in San Francisco, living in the Bay Area is it's really tough because of affordability issues. So let's switch gear a little bit for first-time buyers sure. on affordability. Um, they may be able to live in somewhere in Riverside, San Bernardino. Sure. But well, and which is where we are seeing some job growth right now. Yeah. But of course. We do have a lot of people living in other part of areas that are a little bit more pricey. That's right. Yeah, and I think if you look at you know a place like the Bay Area or San Mateo or San Francisco, where the median price is somewhere around you know one point three million dollars at this particular point in time, um, you know if you're going to put down twenty percent, you're talking about two hundred and sixty thousand dollars, give or take mm-hmm. uh, a couple of thousand. And so that's very you know again very daunting to say how am I going to save you know, $260,000 and just have that sitting in my bank account so that I can go out and and purchase this kind of median home in San Francisco. But again, you know, with the education, I think that when we're talking about a 3% or a 3.5% down loan, then, you know, that 260,000, you know, translates into something like 38,000 or Uh $40,000 if you're only putting 3% down. So, you know, still a pretty decent chunk of money to have $40,000 sitting in the bank, um, but, you know, it's a far cry from needing to go up to 260,000. And so, you know, I think that that might be something, some of these tech workers who may be, you know, making $100,000 a year and things like that say, well, how am I gonna save 260,000? Well, if I can tell you that you only have to save, you know, 38,000, that's potentially a lot more doable for you over the course of you know five six years or so that's very true and you mentioned you brought up a very good point regarding yes people may be able to have a few thousand ten twenty thousand dollar and in the past I think in the 90s even early uh, early part of uh, this year maybe a, a seven eight years ago we see the stock market start climbing you put a sock away some money it will grow 
But look at the interest rate right now. It's very low. It's good for people who are paying a mortgage, but at the same time for people who are trying to save money and let that money grow. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, that's that's one of the biggest differences, I think, between now and, say, you know, 25, 30 years ago. If you go back to... You know, 1990, people were still saving about six, seven percent of their income. We've actually seen a, a resurgence in savings in uh-huh. the wake of the recession. So, you know, currently we're still saving about five percent of our income. So, not a huge difference between how much money people are saving on a regular basis or on an annual basis of their income. Um, but what's really different is what you get for that money, right? So, right. back in 1990, just as an example, the 10-year bond, which is pretty much a risk-free investment vehicle right there's pretty much a very very high probability that the u.s government's going to stay in business at least for the next 10 years and be able to make good on those bonds um you could invest in that you know essentially risk-free investment vehicle and get a return of 8.4 percent that's without going and betting on a stock or trying to figure out what companies are going to do in the stock market um you know you fast forward today and and that kind of risk-free savings amount you're getting 1.6 percent on a 10-year bond at this particular point in time and so you know what that means in terms of how long or how much you have to save or how you save um you know is a lot different because you either a if you want to get returns on your your money you've either got to save for a lot longer right and put it in that 1.6 percent and just get ready to hunker down for several decades while that kind of grows and accumulates at 1.6 percent or you're going to have to take a lot more risk right you're going to be looking at stock market other types of investment vehicles um, that are earning more than six percent but then which also carry you know more risk and with the uncertainty out there and so you know, one of the interesting things and just kind of a hypothetical thought experiment that I did was Uh just looked at what if you just took the typical family who saved at the typical amount of savings and put it in this risk-free investment. Well, you know, back in 1990, that typical family investing the typical amount risk-free could eventually accumulate in 10 years or less up to six years. Uh In fact, in places like the Central Valley, that's how long it would take you to accumulate if you were just doing your kind of normal savings in a normal risk-free investment vehicle, somewhere between six and 10 years or so is how long it would take you to accumulate that kind of 20% down payment. Um, You fast forward today, if you were just a typical family and you saved at that 1.6% risk-free rate and you were socking away 5% of your income, you're looking at something on the order of 25 years, (laughs) right? And so again, people are either, you know, having to save a lot more, save in more risky investments, um, or just not buy and get used to renting. And I think that's what we're seeing. And the, you know, the proof is in the pudding when you look at things like the home ownership rate, which just really hasn't bounced back here in California. And I think you're seeing a lot of people in that kind of latter category where they're just, you know, hey, we're renters. And that's kind of the, the facts of life there. So there are a few takeaways from what you just told me. Now, if it turned out to be people have to save 25 years in order to get at home, one thing that we can say is possibly in the next five years or so, we might see first-time buyers age growing from 35 to 50. Yeah, exactly. Is that what you're telling me? Yeah, well, you know, (laughs) or you're just going to see that home ownership rate fall and and we're going to see kind of a more divided society where you've got, you know, these high-income homeowners and then low-income renters and not many folks kind of in the middle. True. And and I also, uh, what I also got from you was, of course, people today have a small amount of money to work with so they have to be millennials or first-time buyers. They have to be more financial savvy. They need to learn more about pot. Well, sometimes maybe taking more risk, but also be smart about all the different financial vehicles, whether it be 
uh, getting a loan from somewhere else or you know uh, uh, also in, in terms of uh, investing right but also they also of course it, that's on top of everything else like they need to be tax savvy and you know how to get some of the information from uh, realtors or from Zillow or from some other places right um, so you need really need to be on top of the game yeah and I think you know that's where kind of the the bread and butter is going to be for our members is you know that the transaction as fraud as it is with all kinds of its own unique issues and every transaction seems different and none of them are a picnic I think that you know the the real win is going to be before you even get into a transaction is where you can kind of convince some of these young folks that there's these other options and maybe get them excited about home ownership and at least maybe realizing that that home ownership is an option and that you don't need to save that 260 grand in San Francisco and you can kind of look around and be sophisticated about what financial products you use um, and get in for actually a lot less than that. And maybe even more than that, not just to educate them on the financial product, but maybe just keep uh, keep them inform informed on how to actually save more money, talk to their parents, what kind of uh, financial vehicle they need to um, uh, look at in terms of how much money they need to save you know, in the next five years or so to actually become a homeowner. Yep. So it's not just the short term nurturing a first time buyer in the next few months, but probably down the road. Help them get a plan. You know, Let's get a plan in place and let's look at you know, kind of what it really would take to get you into a house type of deal. Exactly, okay. So, of course, uh, those take a little bit more time, but what about, let's go back, come back to a uh, more near-term um, outlook. So what do you think the uh, first-time buyers shares is going to be, or what the outlook is for first-time buyers in the upcoming year? Well, we know the economy is getting better, um, so, you know, I think that, again, the demand is going to be there. Um, so I do expect to see some upward pressure from, I guess, the 29% that we were at uh -huh. uh, this year, but maybe only to something like 30, 31%. I wouldn't expect to see um, the kind of 50% 50 50? numbers that are being projected <laughs> by some other shops out there. It, un unless, I mean, of course, this is a miracle. Unless all of a sudden we have all the developers, builders building a lot of new homes that are below 300,000 in the metropolitan area where everybody's got a job right <laughs> exactly so otherwise and of course and i think the, the other caveat is you know when we have a good economy rest assured you will see some increase in interest rate that of course will affect the monthly premium um not even talking about the down payment even right. if you have the down payment if we have robust growth you can assure that it will change the uh, percent of the interest rate by half a percent or one percent. Right. That, to a lot of people, or actually a hefty amount. It's not a small amount at all. Um, so it's safe to say maybe 30, maybe 31 percent, but not 50. Yeah, it's just it's really <laughs> difficult to envision first time buyers really breaking loose in this kind of market where, you know, affordability is so bad, inventory is so low, um, you know, and the economy is growing, but it's not growing at five or six percent to where we're, you know, really kind of punching above our weight. And so I think those are going to continue to be challenges. And of course, we have to remember home prices as we forecast in our outlook, is expected to increase slightly. Uh, it is going to increase not significantly by a uh, mid-single-digit uh, percentage. 
and we don't expect wage growth to to match that, unfortunately, or you know, significantly higher Outstrip by double it. digit. Right. I mean, that would be dream for us, good dream, you know, a a, a, a nice uh, bonus for us. But we know that you know, as far as wage growth is probably going to be a little bit below the household uh, house price appreciation. Yeah, unfortunately, I mean, even though incomes are growing, it doesn't look like they're growing fast enough to kind of keep affordability in check. And I think that's, you know, something that we're not forecasting to change over the short run. Very true. Well, I mean, the story, I think, is pretty much the same. We haven't, of course, seeing those Zillow number, uh, Realtors.com number, encouraging, but we need to get back to reality. California is still going to be very uh, unaffordable to be put it, put it bluntly. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you know, it's encouraging that they want to be in the market. The question is, how do we get them all in homes and where's the inventory come from? And, and you know, how do we convince those who are sitting on the sidelines to jump back in? So, Got it. Well, lots of work to do, but, definitely. you know, some signs of light. Definitely. Well, hopefully in the next couple of weeks, I'm, I'm, I said miracle could happen, but I don't think it's going to happen very in the next couple of weeks or so. Uh, but if anything happens in the next couple, we will let you guys know. And until then, have a good week. Thank you very much.